All right, we've got about 10 minutes left. Let's see if we can blast through a bunch of topics. From the You Gotta Be Kidding Me file, we have this piece. Jeb Bush's presidential push is described as getting off to a shaky start because apparently he's not conservative enough for the Republican Party's evangelical leaders and pro-Israel hawks. Yes, apparently he's not slavishly devoted enough to the Israeli cause. Reportedly, casino magnate Sheldon Adelson recently made what people described as an animated call to one of Bush's top supporters after former Secretary of State James Baker, long known to be a Bush advisor, criticized Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in a speech. Wow. You know, thinking about it, I'm not sure I got the stats right on last week's program when we were talking about water savings relative to almonds. But here's the deal. If you want to save a gallon of water by not drinking an 8-ounce tumbler in a restaurant, you can do that by refusing the glass of water 18 times. A 6-ounce can of Blue Diamond Almonds, you know, a can a week is all we ask, works out to 182 almonds, which is the equivalent of 200 gallons of water. So to equal that little can of almonds, you're going to have to refuse that tumbler of water or somebody is going to have to refuse it, about 3,600 times. I'm not sure we stated it that clearly on last week's program, but we have now. That's our math. If you want to challenge it, drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. Mr. Merlin is looking into whether Blue Diamond may change their motto to 3,600 glasses of water a week. That's all we ask. We have to go to The Economist for their international reporting on, on this California issue. In the piece titled, The Price is Wrong, subtitled, Why is the Golden State so bad at managing water? The economist noted, as we did, that agriculture sucks up about 80% of the state's water, excluding the half that is reserved for environmental uses. Farmers have guzzled ever more water as they planted thirsty crops such as almonds, walnuts, and grapes. Meanwhile, urban water use has held relatively steady over the past two decades, despite massive population growth in California. That's thanks to smart pricing and low-flow toilets. Well, that's the economist's opinion. But the fact is, per capita water use in California has declined from 232 gallons a day in 1990 to 178 gallons a day in 2010. Now, in support of agriculture claiming that, you know, it's suffering and it's, you know, 10% of the state's irrigated land has gone fallow because of the water shortage, well, you know, hello? Isn't that what you have to do? Frankly, I'm not sure they are doing it. We know that they're pumping... Water out of the ground like there's no tomorrow, and someday there will be no tomorrow at the present rate. The Economist noted that last year, finally, the governor of California signed a bill to regulate groundwater extraction, being we're the only state in the West that did not do this. The magazine notes it will take decades to implement the law. Communities are required to complete plans for sustainable water management by 2020, but not to manage their water sustainably until 2040. That's right, 25 years from now. The magazine also notes that although water piped into urban bathtubs is carefully metered, the state does not yet monitor groundwater consumption, prompting the quote from Andrew Fallon of the California Water Foundation is saying, you can't cut back what you can't measure. Now the truth is the way cheap water is supplied to farmers, which are then encouraged to squander it, we've talked about this with the alfalfa fields down in the Imperial Valley in the San Joaquin Valley, which uses 20% of California's water. Yes, alfalfa Alfalfa, alfalfa alone, uses as much water as all other 
non-agricultural uses in California. And since it's supplied cheaply, they don't bother to conserve it. We talked about estimates in this program that a third of the water is basically wasted through old-fashioned irrigation methods like just flooding the field. So the key to a lot of this is water pricing policies, which frankly we're not competent to discuss because we haven't done our research. But we're going to see if we can bring someone on this program that knows more about it, perhaps Burt Wilson, who's spoken with us previously. In the meantime, the Wall Street Journal can be counted upon to offer a crackpot opinion on all this. The goofballs of the journal said that Californians should look at the new rationing as a surcharge for decades of green policies. Noted that in wetter years, the proudly progressive state government should have replenished reservoirs, but instead wasted water on pointless ecological projects, like flushing huge quantities of precious water into San Francisco Bay to protect fish stocks. Yeah, what a stupid idea that is. But the truth is, if they would use a little more free market and price uh, water according to uh, you know, what it should be priced at, a lot of this would resolve itself. You know, it may well be that for a few years, California's going to have to uh, grow fewer artichokes and plums and grapes and walnuts and pistachios and almonds. People in America are not going to starve if they can't make artichoke dip. I do like the fact that uh, down in San Diego, a panel asked for water privileges. Uh, apparently, the Valley Center District, which is 40 miles north of San Diego, has asked to be given the same exemption given to farmers in the Central Valley. Well, sure. Apparently, they're classified as an urban district, although 79% of the district's water is delivered to farms. I don't know where the truth lies in all of this, but I tell you what, I want to get the same exemptions that uh, agricultural corporations are getting. But the fact is, I'm going to instead get stuck with faucets that are going to have lower flows starting next year. We talked about an editorial piece a few months back by somebody from the plumbing industry saying, oh, this is going to be a really bad idea. But according to Jim Miller's piece, April 9th, SacramentoB.com, faucets, toilets, and urinals sold after January 1st, 2016, will have to use much less water under emergency drought regulations approved Wednesday by the California Energy Commission. Yes, in some cases, your water appliances are going to have to get by on half their current flows. And of course, when you compare any savings we're going to get from these idiot methods, it's going to pale in comparison to what you can get by restricting agriculture's squandering of water. That's just the facts of the matter, folks. Under new rules, bathroom faucets for sale after January 1st can only use 1.2 gallons per minute, down from the current 2.2 gallons per minute. Yeah, that'll really make up for all those people squandering water by letting it run while they brush their teeth. Kitchen faucets will be reduced from 2.2 gallons per minute down to 1.8. Public bathroom faucets will be reduced from 2.2 gallons per minute to a half gallon. All right, final items. First might be considered a follow-up on our chat with uh, Ivan Schwab, who talked about the evolution of eyes throughout the animal world. We talked about how humans have trichromatic vision. We have three different types of uh, color receptors in our eye, but uh, this is dwarfed by dragonflies. We have now learned that, um, thanks to a study on dragonflies, that they have no fewer than 11, and in some cases, a whopping 30 different types of visual options. And other studies have shown that dragonflies can also see in the ultraviolet on top of blue, green, and red. Does that mean dragonflies see a different rainbow than us? Well, probably, but it's hard to say. As I recall, without looking it up from our conversation with Dr. Schwab, the uh, mantis shrimp had been the previous record holder with something like a dozen and a half different types of uh, visual pigment receptors, but it looks like the dragonfly has got them beat cold. 
We talked about sexual matters in this program from time to time, which causes me to disagree with the one-minute opinion offered in the current issue of New Scientist by an Emily Nagoski, described as having a Ph.D. in health behavior and director of the wellness education at Smith College in Massachusetts. Ms. Nagoski claims there's no such thing as a sex drive, telling the magazine that a drive is a motivational system to deal with life-or-death issues like hunger or being too cold. You're not going to die if you don't have sex. And boy, I have to deal with that sort of idiot attitude almost every day in my clinic. It's true, you're not going to die if you don't have sex. But as Mr. Merlin points out, the human race might die because if men and women don't get together sexually, it's kind of hard to produce a new generation. In response to it being pointed out to her that, you know, biologists might say that if you don't reproduce, that's a form of death. Ms. Nagoski said, well, yes, that's the argument that was used when desire was being added to the way sexual dysfunctions were diagnosed in the 1970s to justify the framing of sexual desire as a drive. But when it comes to sex, there just isn't any physical evidence of a drive mechanism. You know, actually, I disagree with what she's saying so much. I'm going to bag on it further on next week's program, or actually the week after that, because next week is our pledge drive, which we hasten to point out is a real drive. I like this metaphor. Yeah, if you don't have this drive, you won't die. But the station might. And sadly, we are out of time. This program was produced by Edward McMillan, and we're counting on you, dear listener, to call us next week and make your contribution so we can continue to do what we love to do and what hopefully you love to hear into the future. We will see you next week on Radio Parallax's annual pledge drive here at KDVS. And we're going to repeat the offer we made several years back that if you will contribute $200 to the station, I'll have lunch with you. And I won't make you pick up the tab. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see you next week.